turn with me, please, in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. We are continuing, and Lord willing, next Sunday we will conclude our consideration of Paul's letter to the Philippians. Now, obviously, we're not going to get through the whole thing, but um, we're, we're going to finish up with what we're able to do next week. And then, Lord willing, on the 27th, we're going to have a great morning of celebration together as Pastor John and Katie and the kids are with us. But we've been looking together at turning toward joy, discovering a joy that circumstances cannot change. And we've been looking in here in Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 14, at the joy of victory. Follow with me as I read a couple verses and then a couple more verses, and then we jump into the verses for today. But first of all, in verses 7 through 9, Paul writes, Whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ. Paul is talking here, I'm sorry, one more verse. And may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, derived from the law, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. Paul is talking here about the liabilities of the past. There were things that he had devoted his life to. There were things that he was very committed to. And he realized that all these things were liabilities. None of those things could save him any more than my trying to work up all my energy, jump through that window and land on the railroad tracks. Paul realized none of those things were going to make him acceptable to God. They were liabilities. Rather than being in the plus column, they were in the negative column. And they were not assets. They were liabilities. And he realized all his training, everything he knew, everything he had learned, all his commitment to the Judeo uh, law and so on and so forth and his commitment to obeying everything he had learned was of no value as far as his salvation is concerned. And so he rejects all those things. And as your notes in your insert state, Saul was on his way to Damascus to persecute Christians when the life-changing event took place. All of his values were reversed. The things that had been important to him were no longer of any consequence. And now verses 10 and 11. Paul goes on. That I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Paul is talking here about the possibilities of the future. And have have you ever... I mean, every once in a while, just stopped to think about our eternal future. It's good to do that. Because sometimes life here on this earth can get a little rough sometimes. And it's good to keep perspective of the possibilities of the future. And really, the the word possibilities 
is really more the certainties of the future. The things that are true because of being in our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul mentions here some lofty goals in verses 10 and 11. Knowing the person of Christ, knowing the power of Christ, knowing the passion of Christ, knowing the praise of Christ. That, that is our future. And we should be getting to know the person of Christ, the power of Christ, the passion of Christ, the praise of Christ, more and more every day in our daily life. But one day it will be perfect. We will be with him. Our knowledge of him will be perfect. And all of his power uh, being manifested in and through us will be perfect. We will have the exact same passion as Christ. Uh, The things he loves, we will love perfectly. And we will receive his praise. And, And what a day that will be. And just to to think about the fact that one day, not because of us, but because of Jesus Christ, we will hear the words, well done, good and faithful slave. And that's the word there, slave. It's a privilege to be a slave of Christ. If you want to read a really good book, you can take a note. Slave, that's the name of the book. Slave by John MacArthur. It's one of of the best books I've ever read. And it really points out to us that, that we are no less but no more than slaves of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. And, and that's an exalted position. And when we get to, hit, get to heaven, it, our, our response, I'm sure, is going to be, uh, I'm an unworthy slave. To God be the glory. Anything good is from you, Lord. And now, in verses 12 through 14, Paul is going to go into the responsibilities of the present. We, the liabilities of the past, the possibilities of the future. Okay, now how does all that bear on today? What are our responsibilities as it has to do with the present? Verses 12 through 14, Paul writes, Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on, so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's our responsibility here and now, in the present. In your notes you have these words. If Paul wanted to know the person of his Lord more intimately and the power of his Lord more fully, if he dared to enter into the suffering of his Lord more completely, if he hoped to stand before his Lord someday and hear the words, well done, good and faithful slave, and if all of these were to be true, then what was his present responsibility? The following is a powerful prescription for believers everywhere. If we want to know the joy of victory in the future, this is what we must do today. First of all, develop the discipline to focus. Focus. You ever say that to your child? Focus. You know, um, 
That, that wasn't common uh, vernacular when I was growing up. If it had been, I would have heard it over and over and over. And you know, I, I know, I know without a doubt, if these uh, words were thrown around when I was growing up, I would have been classified ADD or ADHD. I know I would have. No question about it. But that vernacular, that vocabulary wasn't used when I was growing up. It was just, you're incorrigible. In other words, you're just bad and there's no remedy for you. That was what I heard. And, and I didn't even know what incorrigible meant, so I just went on my happy-go-lucky way, you know. But you know, the, the, it, it, focus, focus. And that's what Paul is saying here. We need to develop the discipline to focus. In the athletic world, the, I feel like I'm getting blocked out over here. There we go, that's better. In the athletic world, the name of the game is concentration. If an athlete is going to be successful, he needs to concentrate. If he cannot concentrate, if he cannot focus, he will not be able to compete as he needs to compete. Players talk of being in a zone. Now, I do understand that one. Let me, let me, share, let me share something with you. When I was stationed uh, with the United States Army over in Europe, I was on a very small post. In fact, a couple weeks ago, I Googled it, and I could see it from, you know, Google Maps. That was pretty cool. Uh, and and I, I, I knew we were, I got isolation pay, if that tells you anything. Uh, there, there were woods all around us, trees. Uh, there was some major artillery there, uh, weapons, all kinds of stuff. It was, it was a class, class institution. But we were on a real small post, and we had a, just a few guys. But we had a great softball team. We really did. Our softball team was something else. We competed in northern Germany, and we won it all. We were sent down to southern Germany for a European, this was a European-wide tournament and playoff. I remember in, in the next to the last game, the semifinal, our guys, all of us, we were in a zone. We had no idea who was there watching us. We were in a zone. We communicated with each other, and we, in, in a good sense, we ignored who was there. Uh, we didn't know if, if the, the commander of the post was there. We didn't know if the, the lieutenant who was right over us in our particular area of responsibility was there. We didn't know who was there. We were in a zone. Because we knew if we won that game, we would get to the game to play for the entire championship of the continent of Europe. So we were in a zone. And we won that game. We went to the finals. We were in a zone. We had, I couldn't tell you who was there except one guy. The, the lieutenant who was right over me, he was there. Because when I went up the bat, I heard him, get, I, I heard him say, hit it, chipper. And, and you know, 
There was a guy, I, I couldn't tell you his name. I think his name was Ken Faulkner, but we called him Foo. You know, they, they don't remember my name either. They, they all called me Chipper. And so uh, we all had nicknames. But we were in a zone. We were, we were locked in with each other. And we won the European Championship. We were in a zone. We concentrated. We practiced until 10 o'clock at night. You could. We were way up north. The sun was still shining. <laughs> and so we were able to get a lot of practice in, and we did. As soon as we got out of our work, whatever our work was, we met together. We went to the ball field. We practiced, and we worked hard, and we won. You know what I got out of it? little medal. I couldn't even tell you where it is now. We have it? Okay. Um, but, you know, uh, the only remembrance, anything uh, recorded that I have is, is that little round thing. Um, but, you know, that, that, that in our moving around and stuff, it's probably going to get lost sometime if I am responsible for it. If hope is, it probably won't get lost. But, you know, the point of it is what we earn here, what we gain here, it's going to pass, man. The grandkids will look at that someday and say, well, that's, that's nothing. I can't even read what it says on the back. It's probably in German, you know. It's gone. But you know, Paul talks about being zoned in, developing the discipline to focus. And he talks about it in 1 Corinthians nine twenty six. He says, run in such a way as not without aim. And David, or the psalmist says in Psalm 73, 25, Whom have I in heaven but thee? And besides thee I desire nothing on earth. And so our concentration, our focus, this does not come naturally. It has to be really zeroed in on. We have to develop that discipline. And so in our moments of, <clears throat> excuse me, of working, in our moments of relaxation, we're focused on what is important. And we're focused on God himself. The writer to the Hebrews said it this way. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. <clears throat> Let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of faith. <coughs> Thanks, son. You know, I don't, I don't know how much of, of the World Cup you've been able to follow or, or you've even desired to follow. Uh, we like soccer. I played soccer in college, and so I, I really like soccer. Um, but, you know, it'll say <coughs> if they replace a player, one goes in, one comes out, it puts on the bottom of the screen how many kilometers a guy ran during the game. Unbelievable. My tongue hangs out just reading it. But, I mean, these guys run, uh, translating into uh, miles, these guys run five to six miles during a, uh, during a, a match. And they're, they're taking out, someone comes in to sub for them. The guys that are still playing... And some games have gone 30 extra minutes. These guys have probably run up to, to 10 miles. Unbelievable. And then they're asked to kick penalty kicks. And they're able to do it. Why? 
because they've disciplined themselves to focus on what's ahead of them. So, <clears throat> if we want to know the joy of victory in the future, first of all, we need to develop the discipline to focus. Secondly, we need to develop the discipline to forget. Now, some of us are going to say, man, I'm liking this one already because I'm forgetting things. Right, Wilma? <laughs> okay. We can forget things, but there's a good forgetting that Paul talks to us about here. Jesus said in Luke 9, 62, no one, after putting his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Have you ever, have you ever seen a, racer, a, a runner look back when he's running? Well, you don't want to. You don't want to do that, right, Doug? Have you ever seen somebody do that? I bet you never did, did you? No. But what, what happened, did anything happen when you saw a runner turn around and look? What, what are some of the things that can happen? Yeah. Exactly. Slows down. Trips, stumbles, may not even be able to finish the race. And if you're supposed to stay in your lane, depending on what the race is, he could move out of his lane, be disqualified. So all kinds of things can happen if you turn around and look. And uh, I remember a football game, this hot dog. He, he, I forget what he did, but he picked up a fumble or something, or he intercepted a pass, and, and so he was running toward the goal, with the ball, and he gets near the end, and he's going like this, dancing, defender, hit him from the other side, knocked the ball right out of his hand, and recovered the fumble. The guy was this close to scoring a touchdown, and because he was hot-dogging it, looking back, instead of doing what he was supposed to be doing, he lost the game for his team. It's serious serious, but it's not life-changing. But in the spiritual realm, it is. When we look back in the wrong way and get disqualified. Paul is talking here about what I think we could call selective forgetfulness. What kind of things need to be forgotten? First of all, we must forget our failures. This is very, very, very important. How many of us, and I, yes, I'm going to ask you to raise your hands. How many of us have ever failed? I think I see every hand up. Okay. We have all failed, haven't we? And, and, and in some times, there are occasions where we have failed miserably. Paul tells us here that we are to forget our failures. Now, if we look at our past failures as opportunities to learn and to grow, then it's okay. We look back, okay, Lord, I learned some very valuable lessons there that I don't want to forget. That, that's okay. But if we look back in the sense that Rather than these failures teaching us, they terrorize us. 
and paralyze us and in essence cause us to repeat the same failures? Paul is saying, forget it. Forget the failures of the past. And there's not one person in this auditorium who must not do this because we've all failed. But if we focus on those failures, we will repeat them, they will terrorize us, they will paralyze us, and we will be unfruitful in the cause of Christ. So Paul says, forget the past. Don't forget the lessons, the important lessons you learned. Don't forget them. If you allow these failures to teach you, fine, but not to terrorize you. And then Paul goes on to say, we must forget our successes. If we remember the successful things with gratitude rather than with pride and arrogance, that's a positive thing. But if we remember the successes of our past, oh man, look what I did. Isn't God lucky to have me? That's pride, that's arrogance, and we're going to fall. If we look back with gratitude, you know, Hope and I were talking about this this morning before we came. God has done so much here, hasn't he? But we look back at that not with pride and arrogance. We look back at that and we say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you've done. To you be the glory. Great things you have done and great things you're going to do. That's good. It's good to remember the successes that God has brought about. And who better to write these words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God than Paul? Paul had permeated major cities with the gospel. He had founded churches which continued to flourish. He had written major doctrinal letters, one of which we're looking at this morning. And yet he wasn't satisfied. He didn't say, well, I've arrived. Now I'm going to take it easy. You know, and keep this in the context of everything we're talking about. Hope and I could not retire financially. We could not retire even if we wanted to. But we don't want to. Even if we could financially, we wouldn't. Because we believe God has more for us to do. And we're excited about that. We're excited about writing to you guys and letting you know where we are next. Who knows where we're going to be next? <laughs> we have no idea. But, you know, it's exciting to walk with God. Isn't it? And, and to be involved in, in what he has. And, you know, God has a perfect plan for everybody here. Everybody. Ours is different than yours. 
Yours is different than theirs. But everybody's plan is perfect. That's the thing. And I wasn't planning on saying this, but uh, some of you may have noticed on Facebook last night, I went to Oakshade Raceway. I've been wanting to get to Oakshade Raceway. So last night, uh, yesterday afternoon, I said to Hope, Honey, I'm going to ask you a question I haven't asked you in in quite a while. I used to ask you this question in Romulus, and I'm going to ask you this question. I can't remember exactly how I said it, but I used to say, I would like to do this, and if you don't mind my going, I don't mind if you do not go. Does that make sense? Sort of? Okay. Uh, Back in Romulus, uh, it was to go to basketball games at the high school on Friday nights, just to see into the football games on Saturday and that kind of thing. Well, I really wanted to get to Oakshade Raceway before we left the area. So I said, honey, would you mind if I go to the race? I don't mind if you don't. She said, that'll be fine. So she watched some girly movies. I went to the races. But you know, I, I was way up on the top of the, of the bleachers because every once in a while I need to stand up. So I'd stand up and I'd be around there and I'd be in there. I, I got there 10 minutes after the gates opened. Gates opened at 4 o'clock. They have hot laps at 6. The race doesn't start till 7. So I had Italian hot dog, uh, French fries, uh, a couple bags of M&Ms, you know. It was, it was, I had a headache this morning too. <laughs> but, but, you know, it, uh, we were, I was there several hours and all of a sudden this older gentleman comes up. He, he says, is this spot taken? I said, no, sir, it's absolutely open. He said, I need to stand up every once in a while. He said, especially after rolling a car three times. So I looked at him. I said, did you used to race? I was hoping that was the case, you know. Did you used to race? He said, yes. I said, where did you used to race? Listen to this. Of all the people in Wauseon, Ohio, with about 1,000 people there probably last night, all the spaces you could sit in, he comes up. Where'd you race? Central New York. I looked at him, I said, Fulton? Yeah. So we got talking about Central New York and, and about a lot of different things, Syracuse University and, and so on. And, he, and it was at 10 o'clock. He said, I'm going to go to the pits now. And I said, great, have, have, have a good time. I said, sir, One thing before you go. Remember this. God loves you. And he has a perfect plan for your life. He looked at me and he said, I hope someone does. I said, he does. And we said, good night. You know, we all have a responsibility. We have a privilege. And, and guys, you may not believe this, but it's true. I really have to pray for guts and courage to talk when I should. I don't like to be rejected. I don't like people 
and saying, well, I don't want to hear anything about that. It happens. But, you know, everybody has a mission field. You have a mission field. We're either a mission field or we're a missionary. And because we know Christ, we're a missionary. And we have that opportunity. And so, uh, the important thing here, forget the failures of the past. Forget the successes of the past unless we remember them to teach us rather than to terrorize us. Unless we remember them out of gratitude rather, pride and ar- rather than pride and arrogance. Forget. So that we can serve effectively. If we want to know the joy of victory in the future, this is what we must do today. Develop the discipline to focus develop the discipline to forget, and next, develop the discipline to follow. And Paul uses here uh, his desire, he talks of his desire for Christ-likeness, and he presents it as a foot race. And he uses three different athletic expressions that would have been well known to his readers. First of all, he says, press on. Press on. This refers to a sporting event. And yet this same apostle, who in verse 9 reminded us that we cannot obtain righteousness with God by what we do, here he says, press on. It, It goes along with what was shared with the kids earlier. We do not do this, do this, do this, do this to get saved. We can't. But after we know Christ, we should press on. We should serve him faithfully. We should serve him for his glory. And he says, press on. In other verses, in 127, he talks about standing firm. In 2.16, he writes that he did not run in vain nor toil in vain. And in 2.30, he talks about Epaphroditus with great admiration and states that he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life. So Paul says, press on. Now that you know Christ, press on. And that's something we all need to do. We know Christ, so now we press on. And then Paul uses another phrase. The second is lay hold of. Lay hold of. This is a a picture of, uh, in our modern day, this would be a picture of a football player who is running with the ball, And another guy comes up behind him, and man just grabs a hold of him and takes him down. That's what the phrase means, lay hold of. Grab that guy. Take him down. And he talks here that we are to lay hold of what God gives us to do, just as Christ laid hold of us. You remember the day Jesus Christ tackled you? I do. I was nine years old. I remember like it was yesterday. Jesus Christ, in his love and grace and mercy, man, he ran after me, he grabbed a hold of me, and he took me down. And he made me part of his family. And we are to grab hold of what he gives us to do. Lay hold of us in the same sense that he laid hold of us. And you look at, at, the Apostle Paul. 
Jesus Christ tackled him on the road to Damascus. And, Jesus, and, and Paul dedicated the rest of his life to laying hold of what God had prepared beforehand for him. Then the next phrase is, press on toward the goal. You know, one of my favorite movies in, in our girls, this, this has to be a generational thing. It really does. The girls cannot stand this movie. To me, it's one of my favorites. Chariots of Fire. You, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? Eric Liddell and, and, and the fellow that refused to run on Sunday in the Olympics. We, we saw the movie, and I, I just love the way the guy runs. Uh, the, the, the gentleman who portrayed him as an actor did an excellent job because I've read that this is exactly how Eric Liddell would run. He would start off, and he'd be like this, and then as he got, got going, this is how he ran. He ran like that, and, and, you, and you see it. He just, just ran like this, and he ran like the wind. Great testimony. He, he exhibited this whole thought of pressing on toward the goal, and he didn't stop until he got to the goal. And Paul talks about the importance of our doing that, to develop the discipline to follow. <clears throat> it's not really specifically stated here, but I believe what Paul is referring to here is the, referring to the promises that we find in the Word of God when we are faithful and do what God has designed for us to do, including the word of commendation from Jesus Christ himself when he, when he says, well done, good and faithful slave. <clears throat> in the Greek games, the winner of the race would be called from the stadium up to the judge, and he would be given a wreath uh, of leaves around his head. Now, how long do you think a wreath of leaves is going to last? Not too long. That was his prize, and yet it was greatly coveted. Greatly coveted. Now, in Athens, <clears throat> the winner was also awarded not only the wreath of leaves, but he was awarded 500 coins, free meals, and a front row seat at the theater. But that was coveted. And these guys would train, and they'd work and work and work for that. But, you know, when, when life was over, it was done. It was gone. And, and Paul talks here, they do it to receive a perishable wreath. But we, an imperishable wreath. And so we press toward the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, I really appreciate Vince Lombardi's words about discipline, and they seem very appropriate with which to conclude at this time. Just try to picture this with me. He, football coach, Green Bay Packers. He wrote, I firmly believe that any man's finest hour 
his greatest fulfillment to all he holds dear is that moment when he has worked his heart out and he lies exhausted on the field of battle, victorious. I love that. That's how I want to go out. And I believe you do too. We all want to go out like that. When, when, when our day is over, when our time is up here, in, in the analogy that Vince Lombardi spells out here, there we are in the middle of the field. Man, we're there. Not an ounce of strength left. And we're lying there on the field, exhausted, but victorious. Wouldn't that be great? Now that applies to every area of our life. Husband, wife, dad, mom, single parent, grandma, grandpa, son, daughter, brother, sister, you name it. It cuts across every area of life. When time is up, we can lie on the field, exhausted, but grateful to God because we've been victorious. Isn't that neat? <clears throat> How's that possible? Well, we need to develop the discipline to focus. We need to develop the discipline to forget and we need to develop the discipline to follow. And we will end on the field victorious. <clears throat> one of my favorite songs and one of my favorite groups is um, Press On by Sela. And <clears throat> Scott is going to play that for us now. Please just listen carefully to these songs, uh, to this song. It goes very, very, very well. It's taken right from this passage. Press on. In Jesus' name, we press on. Thank you, Scott. <clears throat> Press on. 
know God's people said? At this time, we'll uh, receive praises and prayer requests. I'll get us started. Uh, of course, it's in the bulletin, but just to remind you to please be praying for Wilma.